banks are are going to eat up more market share back from fintech as as we look forward. I see my kids, for example, preferring to work with institutions that they trust and understand. But I, I don't think at least the next generation is going to be as open to just handing over the keys to their finances to Robinhood as the millennials were. I have kids that are on on the cusp of the late Gen Z group. They're very much... I will use a legacy institution if they allow me to do all these modern movements. And here's the last part, protect me if something goes wrong. Support provided by Skyflow. What if you could build fast but not break privacy? What if you could ensure data privacy, governance, and compliance with just a few API calls? What if you could worry less about PCI requirements while actually improving privacy and security? How much more time would your team have to truly innovate? How much faster could you build and ship new features? How much more powerful could your app be? Skyflow is a zero-trust data privacy vault delivered as an API. Skyflow's radically simple design lets you collect, secure, and tokenize personal information, like card data and payment details. And with built-in features like encrypted data analysis and sharing, anonymization, and advanced governance, your days of choosing between data security and data usability are over. Whether you're just concerned with PCI compliance or need to go further to include CCPA, GDPR, SOC 2, and beyond, Skyflow has you covered. What if you could build fast but not break privacy? With Skyflow, you can. Visit skyflowsecure.com today to learn how. Welcome to Fintech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid. Welcome to another episode of Fintech Confidential Uncut. I'm Ted Huff, and I'm here with with two guys that I couldn't be happier to be talking with. We've got Matt Van Houten joining us yet again this time. And we have some great things to talk about what he found at Money 2020. Then, of course, we're bringing in my friend Eric Brown to get a little bit of a different perspective on the what he saw at Money 2020. So, yes, this is a Money 2020 recap video. I know there's so many of them right now. So many articles, so many things coming out because it's a week later. But guys, I, I, I appreciate you being here and I can't wait to hear from your perspective of what you saw at the show. Thanks for having us, Ted. Yeah, thank you, Ted. Appreciate it. So the first thing that I, 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 I mean, we're, um, we're on, on the week of Day of the Dead. And so it makes me start to think about the ofrenda, uh, ofrenda that we would put up for all of those companies that had been at Money 20 in the past that just aren't with us anymore. Um, and I, I'm starting to think, you know, the, about that this year, the, the show floor was completely different than what it was two years ago or even one year ago. And the, the, the vibe seems to have changed. And, you know, one of the things that, that I noticed massively is the shift from very new forms of, of money movement and, you know, crypto blockchain was very, very heavy two years ago. Last year, it cut back a little bit. This year, it was almost non-existent. But that's my perspective. And, and I start to see a lot of these other players that fell out. 
uh, even in the fraud space, we had a whole lot of new fraud folks. So, you know, I'll, Matt, I'll, I'll come to you because, you know, you, you were able to attend a number of the sessions, uh, and you were able to sit in on some of the really cool press uh, sessions. I, I would love for you to, you know, just kind of give your thoughts on who you expected to see there, but you didn't. Hmm. Yeah. Um, this was my first time attending inside the event. So I've gone to Money 20 in the past and was one of the, uh, you know, one of the folks that was just meeting up outside at the, the, the oh, letters so you're of love. the reason why they decided <laughs> to book all the restaurants at Money 2020 and then sell I guess those. I was part of the problem. Yeah, I definitely uh, was not part of the solution in, in, in years past. So Matt was the reason why I had problems getting a lunch reservation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was interesting um, to be inside, and uh, so historically, with the, the the places where I've worked in the past, the big conference that we would go to for for the payments product people was AFP, and AFP is well, how should I put this nicely? It's it's a really beige affair. We'll just say. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's uh, it's 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 designed for corporate treasurers as like the customer to attend, and then anyone who's selling services to a corporate treasurer, that's who's exhibiting. So all the panels are focused on this very very kind of highly structured, very hierarchical kind of like like um, decision making and sales relationships. Money twenty twenty always had the feel of of a bit more open and and it's just kind of like you where you'd look to see like what's next. You know, you wouldn't really look at what, like things happening at AFP to tell you what's around the corner. I would say the biggest thing I noticed was that the panels, the topics, the attendees, if you were to just blindly kind of put a label over the top and then show me a list of all the talks and then show me a list of all the attendees, I would be hard pressed to tell you which was Money 2020 and which was AFP, which by they were actually happening the same week, right? Um, so this, these were... Uh, and what that tells me is that the tone of Money 2020 this year in particular has becoming a lot more mainstream, a lot more orthodox, a lot less about challenging the status quo and thinking of new ways of doing things and more mm -hmm. about working within existing systems, perhaps more efficiently or more uh, with, 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 with less sharp elbows uh, when it comes to fintechs and banks kind of like going to battle with each other. And, um, and I wasn't sure what to expect on the crypto front because I was there last year with the, you know, talking crypto and there's a lot of crypto conversations happening. Um, even with like JP Morgan, for example, one of the biggest mm -hmm. events I went to was JP Morgan. They had their web three team. We were in there talking with the head of web three and a number of their like payment strategy people. There's a lot of interest. And this was just before FTX, right? Like kind of, uh, imploded. And so, so things did change a lot in the, in the market after that. And, and then, um, so that would, I'd say, I would say is like the biggest thing I was kind of curious about. And then, um, personally, I was happy to see that it was a smaller presence. I think it's good for the, uh, overall, like, uh, uh, financial market that crypto is taking a, a smaller, uh, percentage of mindshare. Um, so I didn't find it disappointing. I, I found it affirming in some ways. Awesome. No, it, it's uh, it's interesting that 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 notation of of crypto being lesser this year versus being very 
prominent over the last couple of years. It really depended on who you were talking to, whether they felt good that it was gone or bad that it was gone. And it's interesting you bring up AFT because a lot of the folks that are more traditional banking, security, regulatory focus, they just want everything to be in this nice, pretty, neat box. We're Mm -hmm. all super happy that there was (laughs) nothing challenging the the current regulatory environment and yeah. then you have they the seem others. relieved i would say they, they, yes. there, there was a tone of sort of like phew we've we got through that you know oh thank goodness we don't have to deal with uppity you know fintechs anymore because they're all they all need us more than we need them now and and all these other things that are you know under the thumb of one of the biggest uh well best attended events was the sec um I forget who was there representing the SEC, but there was a, a, a head of SEC department, at least, talking about, um, you know, the relationship between, you know, the banks and, and the, and the regulator and crypto. And, and it was, um, yeah, it was just, there was, there was very little tension in the space. It was just, they were coming at it from a position of like, you know, this is how it's going to be. And there didn't seem to be that other, like in previous cycles. There was this, this expectation that that was going to break down. It just, they, they, the feelings I was picking up on was, nah, like it's, we've got our walled garden. It's going to stay walled. And, so, and Eric, with you come, with, with you coming in from the perspective of, of a block wire and all the different things that, that we've worked on together, you know, I, I, I come from a slightly different perspective as, as I think you do as well. Um, I think some of the, some of the folks were taking heat, uh, which all, oh, by the way, super surprised me that SVB was on the floor and actually <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. I saw that. Um, I was shocked by that. Actually I had a double take. Yeah. Did you, did you go to the lunch, the, 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 the press, um, lunch? I don't think I you caught I it at the very, very end. Oh, okay. Cause SVB is, uh, you know, this is all meant for them to all, all there was like five different companies that were there to, you know, have the opportunity to uh, communicate with members of the, of the press and announce things that were, you know, strategically important and coming out soon. SVB's pitch, they were there at the lunch, seemed to be, we still exist. We just, we're here to just remind you that we are, we, we still are a thing. Like, <laughs> he, he, he was I, actually I no on their signage. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was on their signage even at their booth. So. What was that? Yeah. What was on the signage? Uh, we're, 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 we're still here, basically. And I was like, oh, wow. You are. Yeah. Not for quite sure for how long, but you're still here. It's great. But Eric, I mean, you know, with, with those types of things going on and, and the perspective that you bring in and the conversations that we've had together as long with, with other folks in the industry, what temperature are you starting to feel from your conversations and, and everything with people? at money 2020 and we'll, we'll stay specifically around the crypto and digital assets side of the house. And then I'll, I'll pipe in with some of my thoughts. Yeah. So, you know, I was on the floor. I'd been at money 2020 for the last seven years, every year on the floor. I've show floored on it the last couple of years, you know, before as well. Um, you know, this was a show that was a, a big bank show. That's really what it was. You know, when it got started, you know, it was city. Um, you know, JP, 
and Bank of America Wells always had presence. And, you know, they, they went away basically. I think probably it's been 2020. I think we really kind of saw the, the last kind of presence on the show floor anyways. Um, 2021, you know, 21 was, was, was huge. I mean, it was just a massive show. I mean, MX had a, had a massive box check out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, every crypto company you can think of, you know, was basically there at, at that point. But yeah, it, guys, it's, it's all market driven when it comes to blockchain and crypto. If you just want to break it down to the simplicity of it, you know, when the market is down and you're in a bear market, this is what you've seen. You know, I've just seen this in the past already. Um, you know, if you look at the historicals, so again, you're trailing down in the end of this bear market. Um, and then you also have some economy issues, inflation and so on and so forth. So what I saw on the show was pretty weak when it came to presence overall. They really had to spread the show floor out to even make it look like it was the size of money 2020. You know, you remember when I was there on the floor and it was, man, it was packed, you know? I mean, yeah. So my old phrase, elbows to assholes at that point. Um, this, this yeah. year you could probably play a football game between the booths and could have, could have played some pickleball out there easily. easily. No problem. Me and Matt playing. Yeah. And there were, Matt by the way, there were four less stages long. this year. There were four yeah. less stages this year. Wow. Yeah. The, the big presence that you saw, you know, FIS, even with what they had go, they had a massive presence before outside of the show all over the place, all over Vegas. That was kind of gone as well, but I didn't see anybody replacing that. So does that do to an economy? You know, um, last year was super heavy on the KYC stuff. I mean, KYC and risk and all of that. It was, it was just really heavy on that. But I think that comes from again, some of the things that we saw in the market. If you started Terra Luna and work your way on down, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just what you saw, Block by Voyager. Celsius, you name it. And then of course you get to FTX. So where would we think that market's going to be? You know, well, it's, it's exactly where it should be, you know, and it's basically a real hard reset. Um, you know, coming from traditional payments, you know, for quite some time, you know, our background and then, you know, moving into blockchain and, you know, getting a great education in the last five years as, as being builders and all of that. We've got to see it, see it from a lot of different angles. You know, and um, I was a little bit surprised we didn't see a little bit more action there. You know, really, you only saw Paxos, um, you know, uh, XRP Ripple. Ripple, if you even want to call a them huge, a, they're a huge boot, not necessarily man. a crypto company, I guess you would say, if you look at the crypto maximalist point of view. Um, but yes, using, you know, blockchain technology for sure. MasterCard definitely had a had a good presence on the floor, but I, I think was surprised that, that all the things that they well, covered in there that were not traditional payments focused. Yeah. Yeah. We had some good shots them last year, this year they're at it again with that. That was really great. I thought their booth was really cool. I see where they're going with it, getting a lot of info from them. But then again, look, Visa's had a crypto desk for five years. So, or, or plus, and so I, I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's just decimated by what's going on with the SEC and then a market, you know, I mean, you know, and, and it, uh, even people that we, we are on committees with blockchain and crypto and in payments and you're on those calls and, you know, we say it over and over. It's, it's block, it, it's really market driven at this point right now. Um, but when it, as far as money 2020 goes in that sense, a lot of meetings outside of that, a lot of people, um, outside of that, um, 
you know, we had great successes, I think, with the meetings. I think a lot of people are doing that. I don't know if it's a, a cost prohibitive at, at some of the, you know, some of the points with, with Money 2020 um, of why more people were not on the floor, but the floor was really, really quiet compared to what you saw in 21, 22. So that was just kind of my personal observation um, when it came to all of that. And it was kind of some randoms, you know, that were really on the floor too. It was a little bit of mixed <laughs> bag of security. Um, we did see some uh, uh, banking as a service in Latin America and Africa and some of that. I saw some of that on the floor. Um, nobody from, you know, mining or anything along those lines. That, yeah. that was completely gone. If you're looking at Bitcoin mining, there were some mining companies, things, all of that. Um, no traditional banks were, were really there that I saw. I think cities still had their meetup spot, you know, um, and I would say MasterCard was probably the showcase of the actual floor. All, all the banks were there. They were in the rooms adjacent to the, to the, they were not, none on the floor, but they all had their, their little, yeah, their everybody little had the restaurants. Models. Yes. But not just the restaurants, but they had, they had rooms in the, uh, just, just across the way. Um, BNY yeah. Mellon even was what, you know, they've got yeah. some tokenization work going on as well. JP Morgan yeah. city, yeah. pretty, pretty much all but the banks were present, but, but they investing. weren't really, they were just like reactive. Yeah. Like they were just there to kind of like right. meet with their clients who happened to be attending and try to play right. interference. Right? right. They weren't leading with anything I, I wouldn't new. say you, you, you got like, Matt, I didn't get the feeling of, you know, anything innovative going on in this show this time at all. No. I really felt like it was pretty, no. pretty vanilla for the most part. And, you know, when I looked at 20 and I think that's what attracts us to all of this is, is, you know, the, the innovation part, but I think a lot of that has been taken out, you know, here in the U S um, when it comes to the particular subject with blockchain and crypto. Um, but as money 2020 as a whole, I did not really see the innovation. And I think when I look at when I think of money 2020, I think I want to think FinTech, of course, payments, but I want to think something new, right? Show me something new, something great. What's, what are you doing? What's going on? And I just feel like we didn't get a whole lot of that this year. Well, I, I think money 2020, um, you know, I had the opportunity to sit down with a handful of people from money 2020 and really trying to understand where they were going next. Like, what is the thing that they're going next towards? And, you know, really they, they realize that their roots are bringing investors and startups together and creating an ecosystem and they realized that they needed a way to do that better than just having a show. And so that's why they ended up launching a product called 20 fold that yes, it has like 20 meaning money, 2020 fold, meaning there's many layers. I mean, I had a fun time talking about the brand specifics with them. I kind of geeked out about that, <laughs> but realistically you look at it and what they're trying to do, at least from my perspective is do a modern version focus of, of angel list that is purely focused just on fintech. Now, I think the place where they're going to get the most pushback, especially for early stage founders or people that are looking for seed capital, is that in order for them to participate, and I don't think this is their primary market, by the way, too, it would cost them $25,000 per year to do that. Now, if you're a big VC firm and you're looking for places to put money, 25 grand is no big deal. But if you're a bootstrapped startup fintech that really wants to make change in the industry, 
you don't have 25 grand to throw at something to go find a list of VCs. Like I've got a list of over 400 VC firms that we can go through at any time. Yeah, it takes a little bit of extra work, but it's it's sure as heck a lot cheaper than $25,000. Well, the 25 grand adds up for all those people. It's 25 here, 20 there, 50 there, 15 there. And so, yeah, definitely. I, I for sure see your point. And so is uh, just to clarify, this was the answer to the question of where does money 2020 see its vision for its own purpose in the industry going forward is to so, be a, so it was a, a, more, a network for VCs and startups. As so a, it was more about, Hey, where we're at today, it seems like it's kind of hit its equilibrium, mm-hmm. right? Where there's like, there's not a whole lot of new stuff. There's, you know, lots of announcements going on, but there's they're not- definitely a plateau feeling with money 2020. Like, yeah, for sure. I could see but that. Is it the conference yeah. or is it the market? Right. Like, is it the moment? I, I, I cause I, I think it's I, I the feel, moment. I feel like this was a barometer more so than it's like they couldn't have done anything. I don't think to make more announcements or create more interesting, uh, topics to cover. It's really the industry. It feels to me like the industry is collectively taking a big breather while the rates are up and there's, there's a retrenching going on. Um, Things are being uh, managed more conservatively. Try to keep keep your scope on n- incremental work. You know, if you're a big financial institution, they're trying to like go after low risk, quick ROI, like short term projects yeah. kind of stuff. It's like, and and for me, what was it, I, this was kind of what I was assuming was happening in the market, but was really just interesting to see people on stage effectively like saying it out loud, right? I think you might've seen in one of the posts that I wrote, the one of the key quotes was from a, a Goldman MD saying, in the current rate, in, rate environment, investing in innovation is reckless. And that that was like, and everyone's looking at each other going, yeah, that's true. That's totally true. Which also, <laughs> but, but does that give you the thought of, of that's, but, but are there people out there that, hey, this is when we do invest. Right. There's oh, got to be some groups there, there that go, you know, that are investing in it though. Right. Now I haven't seen any of them, by the way. I've never <laughs> done any of those. Let well, me know. I, I, um, I, can, I, I can tell you from some private conversations with some banks that I won't be allowed to name, but big banks. It's called confidential. I mean, you can share it. It's confidential. <laughs> I am going to just say they're big. They're headquartered in the New York city. And, oh, okay. um, and they 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 take a long term view on investment, and so they're they're not going to hold back, but they're going to invest in a way that is less about what I would describe as like um, you know innovation theater or innovation by press release, which which has yeah. been kind of a way of just trying to keep up with everybody else that's making announcements. You never know yeah. as well. You see an announcement like what's really behind it. I learned some things about, for example, the 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 announcement with. Um, was it MasterCard and um, who did MasterCard make an announcement with about the, oh, it was JP, JP Morgan. Yeah, it was JP Morgan and MasterCard mm-hmm. made an announcement about open banking, right? That they're going to, they're going to introduce pay by bank powered by MasterCard. I, I learned Isn't that that, that just MasterCard is, send? It, it, who knows? It, it's, 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 the truth is it's, it appears to be more of like a sponsored 
press release. <laughs> a sponsored press release to put a master. Well, there was a lot of them. There was definitely <laughs> the last couple of years. I mean, the, the announcements were, they were just coming one right after the other. So I could definitely see how people were looking at that. And, but the thing is money was getting thrown at a lot of these companies as well. And I agree with Matt. I mean, I think what, what we feel as a company and then networking and going to these shows is it's a big reset, right? That's really where we're at. You know, it's a big reset. I do feel like we're coming out of it. We're starting the needle, starting to point the other way slightly. And, you know, but I definitely agree with the reset part of it. So I'm going to go back to the 20 fold thing of it really quick, because I think what they were expressing to me is that they want to keep well grounded in their roots of trying to support startups, getting that connection with VCs. Can, can you pause there for a second? Because yeah. Eric, you said something at the, uh, a few minutes ago about your view. The conference started really based on large banks as the primary mover around this. Yeah. Ted, you're describing almost the polar opposite. And so yeah. as somebody that's less kind of familiar with the, the the reality and the history and the, maybe there's something on the surface and then there's the truth behind like who actually pays for the things that are happening. Can you both kind of help me understand like which... Which of these narratives is real? Yeah, so, so uh, I'll start. I, I will agree with Eric that the first two or three years that Money 2020 started, the big the big sponsors were Google because the founders of it of Money 2020 came from high executive roles at Google. So they mm-hmm. brought that over. Then they also brought in major banks and the folks who had the bank had had the backing to do it. And then they filled the show floor. Show floor wasn't very big that year, the first three or four years. And then then they said, oh, well, the startup fintech is really becoming this big mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And, and this was like, what time frame was this? Uh, so, so the this, show is... Well, well, you saw that like tw- yeah, you saw that like 20. And then you went, you know, I would say, I think 17, really 18... Yeah, but, I would say night nineteen twenty. It started its slightly change a little see, and bit. I was going to say seventeen is the first time they had their their first startup pitch contest. Well, that, mm, yeah, mm. and that would have been the last the the blow off point of the crypto market, right? You know, yeah. after Bitcoin took mm. a dump right after that. So, but we used to call it the Big Bank Show, which didn't call it Money Twenty Twenty, even call it the Big Bank Show. So, um. Yeah, I think there was kind of somewhere along like 1920 and and maybe some of the crypto blockchain stuff kind of kicked that off where you were seeing. And then also, you know, the stripes of the world and things along those lines were now you had some real big heavy hitter fintech payment companies, you know, ADN, Checkout, Stripe, you know, um, uh, Square, Cash App, you know, um, and you were starting to see more of that. And it just seemed like they were following the money. And then at that point, like who had the money to put into the show and who was going to sponsor and, and so on and so forth. So that's just kind of what it looked like to me at first. It was, you know, some banks and then banks seemed to get a little bit disinterested with some of the fintech stuff and didn't put the money in. And then here comes some fintech big crypto players and there was a ton of money thrown around. Mm-hmm. And then this kind of, you know, okay, well, here's all these issues with KYC and, 
the failure of, of you know blockchain and, and digital wallets and trading and all of a sudden KYC and risk and security are prominent. So is it is it you know going with the ebb and flows of of what was going on you know in the market with with banks and payments and fintechs and like you said I think Matt you're right I think there was a little bit of a bank fintech thing going on there for a couple of years and maybe the banks are like yeah we're not going to bother with it it almost seemed like they gave up on money 2020 a little bit as far as like show floor stuff you know oh, yeah. that, that, that started yeah, show floor was like nobody there they had no big right, big fis right. on the show floor but the 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 card brands banks and all of that definitely always seem to dominate the panels and presentations you know they want to get the names in there and so on and so forth and that is mm-hmm. definitely something that i think was really dominated by more of the legacy type is some of the panels and i think also me going back is that the startup piece is really where their growth cycle really happened because they went from being at the aria that has a very small capacity comparatively to the venetian mm-hmm. um it, it's i don't they know have the a multi-year exact- deal or do you know as like a it just wonders. It feels to me like almost like they they they've 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 gotten stuck with a footprint, and now they're just trying to. Every year they're having to figure out like how to how to fill it, as opposed to like AFP as beige as it is. It knows who its attendees and customers are. It rotates venues depending on you know every year it's like a different venue, and and it's it's not as you know sexy. It's kind of, it knows who, who it is. You know, yeah. I feel like Money 2020 is almost like a little bit of a mirror that's just like, here's a reflection of the moment I could, in I could payments, fintech. Yeah. And, and sometimes I, I it's going to be big and flashy and other times it's going right. to be like, well, not a lot happening right now. Yeah. Right. I definitely I, think are, it just kind of swings with, with what's going on at, at that particular time. And that's, there's not a lot going on right now. Yeah. Um, you're in, like you said, a little bit of that reset moment, uh, people not wanting to spend the money that they were spending before. I mean, man, I heard MX spent a million dollars on their booth at, at Money 2020, that double decker booth. And I was like, this year? You no, know, no, last year. No, that was two years ago. Oh, okay. 21. Like said, yeah, 21. Hmm. I mean, you walked in and it was boom right there. I mean, it was massive, you know? Yeah. And MasterCards were, was the only one that I felt was like pretty, pretty. Like Mastercard this was, time around, with came with yeah. They they brought some they brought some uh, game for sure. I like the little tunnel thing that they did. It was kind of neat. <laughs> I didn't go you in. Know, did that you, was cool. Did you go through yeah, the tunnel? No. <laughs> I, I went through the tunnel. It was I'm actually like pretty seen cool. But Halloween, oh, did you go there? to the tunnel? Just, yeah, I went through the tunnel. Yeah, I mean, walking through the tunnel it was kind of cool. It was fully interactive. Like when you walked in, as you walked through, it changed and told the story as you walked through. Right. And so like. It, there must have been like pressure plates or something or else I just walk at the right pace. Well, <laughs> it, it, it was a lot better than the weird uh, Transformer Terminator that thing that they had on the floor this oh, year. Oh, the, the money bots. Oh my God. What was that? Like that was... <laughs> this is what happens like, in the absence of innovation. <laughs> dude, this is what happens. This is when you got big rolling crypto money and now you're down market. And this is what you get. You get that little... And, and it was huge, by the way. The AI weird transformer thing and i'm literally looking at this thing going who can't what is this who came up with this idea anyway what is this here for but not only i mean you just brought up something that i totally expected to see freaking everywhere plastered everywhere was ai like yeah i mean that's a huge umbrella but like yeah and there here wasn't that much i I mean mean, i I didn't see a lot of ai 
The only AI I ever heard talked about while I was there was AI to try and figure out how to do KYC and fraud better. Like, is that, sorry, that was no. the sardine. When we went to, with, well, sardines, we went to XPOT. Yeah. We, when we went to XPOT, they had the little AI robot there bringing drinks around and food around. I mean, there was that one too. <laughs> yeah. I don't Again, know. That I, one I, I don't know about, I don't know about the two of you, but just, just to, you know, and I know you're, 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 I won't, I won't, I won't say anything too disparaging about, about <laughs> your, your, your blockchain and crypto and whatnot. Um, I have scars from my own experience there. So, but it's, uh, it's all right. You got a little PTSD. I can process that with But what I would say is that like, I was, again, I was, I was actually heartened not to hear about AI all day, every day. And I'm, and I was expecting it. And, and I think, um, and I, I was catching up with some people about it. And one of the t- takes that I heard that I think is actually pretty accurate and probably a good, a good explanation. It's, it's also kind of like boring. So forgive me. This is not going to be like a, a hot well, take. That, well, that it is. Well, that's the whole thing is that in the environment that we're in today and the stat, the where, whatever one of the things you want to call is AI is, is, mm-hmm. is so early in the innings yeah. that, well, in this case, I think it's the opposite when it comes to payments, because we've been using machine learning, not generative AI, because I would ask the question of like, what's the point of generative AI for payments, uh, except for maybe like fraud, some fraud work. Well, right? and you I think ask the payments it. person, that's their answer is the fraud piece, by the way. I mean, even in our committee, AI committee, a lot of that revolves around fraud detection. But even you know, even for fraud AI. detection, a lot of that is is better served by existing machine learning models that don't rely on generative technology. So it's it's they could be. I think there are some ways that you can complementary kind of like you can you can have some orthogonal approaches to to simulating you know threats, for example. Um, but it's not like it's a a, a a a step change because in the in in I was using machine learning to do. Uh, intelligent character recognition and matching of patterns in 2003 at JP Morgan. Oh, right? it's not new. But not just yeah. not new, but it's been used in finance and in payments and in information processing related to payments. Visa's fraud engine has been using machine learning for like 15 years, right? Yeah. Like, I think part of the reason, and it, this is why I say is kind of a boring answer, that it wasn't like a big showy thing is because... It's sort of like, for the most part, I think the industry's been using a lot of that underlying technology pre-Gen AI. And now the question is really like, okay, now there's Gen AI. Well, where, I think does, maybe where does this really make things substantially in. better? You know, I don't, I'm not sure anyone well, has a good answer for so that. I think it's so early right now that it's not, no one has really figured out a way to make it super stable to a point where you can predict what the answer is going to be. Um, and so, you know, if you wanted to use it for customer support or some sort of service or walking somebody through an experience, it is too rogue mm, potential too, of going too hallucinatory. Rogue. Yeah. Yeah. There's it, it, the, the likelihood of it hallucinating is much greater than the likelihood of them getting it right every time. Exactly. And so and they can't take that chance in financial services. There's, no, there's too it, much, that's why there's I mean, too much risk so if you early. make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. It's so early because you, they haven't figured out how to lock it down from, from doing that, especially when you go into the generative AI 
and you're using large language models and you're using training data from a number of different places because you want to make sure you're using terminology that matches the person that you're talking to. Like it could go like wrong, like 50 ways to Sunday and it could go right, like two different ways. Mm-hmm. And, and I Were think that any AI real companies at like, all, like pure AI? 2020 Besides there was for the there big was- transformer thing. Chargebacks drain revenue and may threaten your ability to process payments, but they don't need to be a cost of doing business. You can resolve up to 40% of chargebacks before they're ever filed. Here's how it works. When one of your customers contacts a participating bank to dispute a charge, you'll be notified. At that point, you can avoid the resulting chargeback. It's fast, easy, and effective. You can be set up and preventing up to 40% of chargebacks in just 48 hours. Well, NVIDIA came to the uh came to that lunch that press lunch yeah video was there yeah it was pretty entertaining and i, I don't want to make fun of the people that came to the lunch because they came to, to you know say their but thing like, like that but but he started off by saying i'm sure you've all heard of nvidia and like four to five people in the room were like i who who are you like within the world of you know crypto and ai nvidia is a household name outside of that world unless you've just been following right. their stock unless their stock and it's like done really well you know, right. computer you, know like you, you don't know who they are and so they were there talking about like the in the, they're a chip manufacturer right mostly yeah. And, yeah. and 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 but in addition they're also building like layers of data processing services that go along with the chips that are that they believe can be used to you know answer some of these really difficult questions um i would say that the what you described Ted as being early really fit the pitch that, that, that they gave, which was pretty generic and all about potential. And like, this Mm -hmm. is, you know, could be used for this, could be used for that. And it's really going to come down to like, is there anybody that's, that's putting it directly to work? I, I like the way that Sardine, um, you know, has kind of looked at the, like, they look at things through the lens that I think is the right one, right tool for the job. So it's like, what's mm-hmm. the best tool to actually fix this yeah. particular problem? And if it's generative AI, okay, great. It, it, is it is it capable of doing it under to the tolerances you know that you need it to, so that it doesn't hallucinate? Or if it does, <laughs> the consequences are like appropriate. Yeah. Um, and and I think I think you know you are seeing in uh, Unit Twenty One is another company that I thought. Um, was was talking about the use of the tools to yeah, strengthen the the yeah. problem solving capabilities that their platform has. Yeah, and I think I think the other piece, like when when you when I start to think, um, in this space, like you, you mentioned Sardine. I mean, I did a deep dive into their tech, um, looked at the SDKs, had a number of calls and discussions with them about the product. And the thing is, is that with with the way that they're doing it. It is a super narrow use case. It's super, super narrow. It's, it's, it's very binary. You, you might have three choices and I'm oversimplifying, but that, that's a place where you're, you're still in the machine learning characteristic model. You really haven't gone outside of pattern recognition. And I think that's where I was expecting somebody, mm-hmm. anybody. <laughs> to come in with something that was more than pattern recognition, more than behavioral analytics. 
I mean, like what? What's an example? I mean, those seem pretty important. Like what would well, be? They, they are important, but they're boring. Uh, <laughs> uh, because, well, what comes after that? Like what's the what's let's what's like next Terminators. level? Terminators. We need a Terminator. That's gonna you know, be the, the money, most exciting money, thing the money we talk that's about. Good. <laughs> look, let's look, look, look. All you need to do is take AI, quantum computing, and robotics, mm. and now you have a conversation, right? Now you yeah. got something exciting to talk about because. You basically got Terminator. You've got mm-hmm. the Matrix. You've right. got. I well, mean, we can go on it. Yeah, minority Report. Me- oh, let's do Minority Report. Let's throw the Metaverse in there. We'll have. Oh, oh yeah, he's Oh, I thought we were going to get know. through this without anybody saying Metaverse. I was. Uh, <laughs> oh no, Matt. No, no, oh. no, 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 no. Oh. We're spending twenty minutes on the Metaverse today. <laughs> You didn't I'm just know? None of Zuck's avatars were in attendance at the uh No, no, no. I, I actually have one here on the screen for you. I'm going to pull it up here in a minute. Um, oh, goodness. Yeah. But see, that, I mean, see look, the really... conversation already got better. Look. But I mean, honestly, I was, I was looking for someone to figure out like how to just look at the customer base different, how to engage with people more to, to, Bring that human element into the AI because right now the main issue that we're running into with AI is the fact that the human decision or the human perspective is still missing. And yeah, I know a lot of people say that makes it a sentient being, but at the same point, I I think that there are places that we can use that to really help navigate folks through experiences. When I'm having a bad experience and I just had one with Delta the other day, it was like, sorry, I don't understand that. Would you like to chat with a live agent? I'm like, okay, cool. I will chat. They'll be with you in 15 minutes. It's like, but I just told you what I'm trying to do. You could look this up. You could do this and you could say, I'm so sorry you're having that issue. But instead Mm -hmm. it was, hey, do you want a live agent? Did you did did you by chance uh, go through live persons presence? They were they were they they were there on the floor and they had a pretty large um, space so carved I, out. I did go talk to them for a little bit, but they're the sent they're they're pushing the sentiment side of the house really mm-hmm. hard, mm-hmm. right? So are they? How do they? Are you are feel? you angry? Are you right. coming into this conversation with a particular emotion? Yeah. But I've been working with a company for four years that's been doing sentiment analysis based on vocal tone. Mm-hmm. So that's nothing new to me. It may be new to somebody else, but that's not new to me. I want I want something for money to me. Money twenty twenty should mm-hmm. bring me something that I've never thought about, never heard of. That yeah, makes but me Ted, question. You're talking about that. you're talking about innovation again, and we talked about that. There was no innovation there. There was, and, and again, you could you could go back. I'm to, an innovation junkie. <laughs> look, you can go back to market driven once again, right? I mean, you just have a tough market. Um, I think innovation has been just kind of pushed down the line. You know, it's it's just doesn't seem to be as important right now, like it was a few years ago. Um, and again, I think AI is could, could be obviously will be massive you know mm-hmm. um but again the innovation piece like who's innovating in that who's spending money in that who's marketing that how are they using it and when you're at money 2020 innovation was not what i felt you know i felt like yeah. 
oh, okay. I kind of felt like I'm glad the KYC guys didn't just dominate the whole thing again because there was yeah. quite a few of them last there year. There were last year. But what, what, there what do you just think, wasn't though, a lot of innovation. What, I think this begs a question that I felt that comment that I that I heard um, around, you know, investing in innovation is reckless. I think even this conversation, in addition to that comment, kind of has a lot of assumptions built into it around like what innovation actually is. And, and like, I've seen, <laughs> I give you some fun examples <laughs> at well, at Wells Fargo, right? I, I worked at Wells Fargo for a hot minute. Actually, I did a gen, I did a, a chat bot conversational AI at Wells Fargo in 2016, 2017. Um, so you're the one of, that created the chat bot for Wells Fargo. Uh, well, no, see the one that we launched during the pilot when I was there was with a third party who's awesome. And then the <laughs> inter the internal engineering team was like, no, 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 no. We can build our own. And so what you, uh, if you're yeah. a Wells Fargo customer and you're experiencing a chat with a, a bot in the app, that was homegrown. I had nothing to do with that. However, um, adjacent to that team, there was a retail innovation group, right? And, and, and I, and I went and did a tour of their little, their little facility once. Great people. I love the people. So people, if you end up watching this, like, I love you. You're great. It's not about you. Um, but one of the things that they were showing was a stuffed animal, a bear is like a, you know, teddy bear that had a, um, a computer inside of it. It was like Siri, right? You could talk to the bear. The modern and, Teddy Ruxpin bear. Yeah. But listen, listen to this is like, this is pre, uh, Megan, right? If you've seen Megan, you know, mm -hmm. um, Megan. So, so everybody this is, needs a Megan. <laughs> so this bear, this bear was designed for, I'm like, why does it, what's, what's up with the bear? What's this thing do? Oh, well, so kids can talk to the bear and it can teach them about like finance. I'm like, okay. And, and, and like, what happens when the kid talks to the bear? Oh, you know, and so it's talking about like, it's like, it's, it's like Alexa, right? So, well, so all the, all the, all the, like the voice recordings of like these kids talking to the bear, where do they go? Well, they, 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 they go to the, you know, server and they, they go to the I'm like, so, so, right. You've got this, like this bear that's not solving a problem. Anyone on earth thinks is really important, right? Someone that wants a teddy bear and also wants to talk finance, like the Venn diagram around those two populations, pretty, pretty small. One, one if, pixel. One if pixel. Those circles touch. <laughs> but did, did you have to open an account at Wells Fargo to get bear well it, i mean probably but it was like you know they don't they'll give you an account and then they'll give you two or three more you know if, you uh, more. Not having that. <laughs> so anyway so it's just a great example of like i was like looking at this going what are what are we why, why are you doing this like you somebody built this it was a prototype that was functional like people spent time and money building this that was so that was so-called innovation right and and then the, with, at Visa we had this other innovation center, and I would look at it and I'd say this is innovation theater, right? Like this is a, a place where you can bring clients, and then they they get to like oh, yeah. wear jeans, they get to wear jeans for the day, they get to fly in from, you know, from from Cleveland and and be in San Francisco and and let their hair down and and not have to you know, <laughs> not have to like do work for the day, and they go to the innovation theater and then they innovate for 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 four hours with you know whiteboards. And they walk away thinking like, wow, this is so innovative and I feel so good. And nothing ever came from those labs that, that ends up going back to actually solve a problem in the workplace. So, so I just think the, the innovation can also just be like, I make this better. And because I made it better, your life is easier. And because it's easier, 
you value this product and because you value this product, you'll pay something for it, right? Yeah. I mean, innovation doesn't have to be flashy. But that's the fun part. You want the teddy bear. You want the teddy bear spy. Innovation, <laughs> innovation has to be flashy. I mean, other other than that, reinvented something that was already there. And yeah, you might have made it better. I forget what I just bought from Amazon the other day. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's a really cool idea. That was so obvious. It's like, why didn't somebody ever think about that yeah. 10 years ago? But, yeah, but so, if you, um, this, this I, I agree goes, with yeah. Ted. I think innovation has to be. It's got to be flashy. It's got to be cool. It's got to be the new thing. Um, Even if it solves no problems. So innovation that solves no problem. No, I didn't say that it doesn't solve any problems, but look, you can look at R&D. Well, crypto doesn't solve a problem. Is that is that a flashy innovation no, that the world no, needed? No, no comment on that one, Matt. I think we already know it solves quite a few problems, actually. It's a yeah. solution in search of a problem, much like AI. But, but at the same time, you have to look at, at a lot of these types of things as a step towards something additional and in growth. And that's why when you were talking about the teddy bear, I'm like, that is freaking awesome that somebody actually was able, <laughs> no joke. I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking that's, that's awesome that somebody was like, Hey, I wish there was a way for me to teach my kids finance because I have no clue on how to do but it. Is, is the teddy bear innovation or just being creative about delivering information? I don't know that that's innovative, but, the teddy bear. I, but, it might be just creative. It is creative, but at the same token, what it, what, from my perspective, the innovative part of it is figuring out how to leverage the technology in a form factor that mm-hmm. is not scary for a child. I'm using quotes on that. Um, and being able to actually provide whether it be useful or not, but some sort of value back through the chain. Now, what that allows people to do through that is get that experience and go, okay, well, this didn't work for kids. Great. What do we do in order to make it better for adults? And that little bit of innovation around that child and that little bit of bear changes a perspective of how to approach a problem. And just because it didn't make money doesn't mean that it didn't foster, it wasn't innovation, that it didn't foster a movement forward. And if you really want to look at it, no one gave a crap about AI or machine learning until this small company, OpenAI, decided to give a wide open web interface for free for people to play with. Like no one talked about AI really on the news until that. Not really. No. what that when is you done made it is easy, when you made it easier for everybody to do their PowerPoint decks, then all of a sudden it became important. But that spurred on other people to go, okay, well, what other things can I make easier? Right. What else can right. this do to help it make easier? Oh, well, this one didn't work because I'm a writer. I'm going to use something else because that one's focused on my writing process or I want to create an email of all of the articles in my RSS feed that sends to me in the morning and I can go through and click on the ones that are important versus having to go to my RSS feed. These are not huge innovations and they're kind of what you're talking about, Matt, where it's it's solving a small but seemingly important problem for other people. And I, and I see that we have to have those strange, uncomfortable teddy bears. Mm-hmm. That, that to a lot of people are scary and freaky for someone mm-hmm. else. How to did think we of get the onto thing? teddy bears, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I 
But uh, that's that's kind of how I look I at mean, it. I mean, it's like, around Christmas time and all that and the holidays. So the teddy bears are a little bit relevant. Definitely, for sure. So I'll put a link in the bottom for everybody to buy a teddy bear using my Amazon code. Help me buy teddy bears for Christmas. No. Well, you do. You got to start your Amazon store and use your blockchain crypto payments account to sell your teddy bears. Okay, so on to the next thing. <laughs> you know, we've talked about like the people and like the different things that are happening there. Um, we've also talked about like how it's changed over the years. But what we really haven't touched on is in the next three years, and I'll start with, with you, Eric, and then I'll go to, to you, Matt, and we can probably kind of flip-flop in between there, which we always do. But like, what do you think is going to happen next year, the year after, the year after that? Where where do you see this current going? As far as money 2020? Like yeah, what we just, see let's stay focused this- on money 2020. This is the recap show. Let's give them some ideas to, to go. So I, I, I go do think year. that the fintech pieces will come back in to money 2020. Again, I mean, they they still need to sell sponsorships, right? There's going to be companies that are going to come out. Um, uh, You know, you do have a reset like Matt had talked about. And so we should see some progress moving forward. And so if we see some fintechs coming out, um, basically the next, you know, evolution of, of payments and blockchain and crypto and um, banking, I think that's changing. So you might look at something like, you know, all of a sudden we end up seeing Twitter there with the X, you know, and the all-in-one app and it's banking and, and trading and finance. And does Robinhood come back? What happens with Square and Cash App? Does, does that come back? And there's some, you know, something new there. And potentially we see that at Money 2020. I don't think we're going to see legacy banking coming back. I don't foresee that. Um, but I think that what we've seen from Money 2020 in the past is it's, it's going to go towards you know, what is the, look, what's paying the bills, number one. And then number two, what's the most interest at that moment? Um, again, a momentary thing. Matt, your your perspective. So over, can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah, I we're good. Muted for a second. Okay. Um, I, I think, you know, over three years, pretty, pretty short time frame. Um, for me, what it feels like we're entering into is, is likely to be a period of pretty significant consolidation. I think you're going to see big fintechs gobbling up slightly less big fintechs and you're going to see the landscape go from broader to more narrow, very similar to what's happened in just about every other industry in, you know, at least U.S. history. Um, I, I expect banks and fintechs will part partner more um, in the near future. And they've already been partnering to some extent, and I think that's going to increase. So you'll see, I think you'll see a lot less banking as a service where a kind of cowboy company can just stand <laughs> up a neobank with no risk management and little oversight. And I think those kinds of deals are largely going to be th- maybe not dead, but very much less frequent than they've been. Um, and I'll just make, I'll make a prediction specifically because I have Gen Z kids. I, I actually think that banks are going to, they're going to eat up more market share back from fintech as, as we look forward. 
whether it's in three years or five years or 10 years, I, I don't really know. But I, I see, I see my kids, for example, preferring to work with institutions that they trust and understand. Um, and I don't think they trust technology, even though they use a lot of technology. I don't think they trust technology company leaders in to the extent that, um, you know, maybe Steve Jobs had a lot of respect. Um, and, and I, but I, I don't think at least the next generation is going to be as open to just handing over the keys to their finances to Robinhood as the millennials were. But you're talking about trust, but you're supposed to trust Jamie Diamond. Whether you think he's trustworthy or not, more people trust Jamie Diamond than they do Mark Zuckerberg. That's fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I have kids that are on, on the cusp of the late Gen Z group. Right. Um, and, and we're really looking at that and they're, they're very much. I will use a, a legacy institution if they allow me to do all these modern movements. And here's the last part, protect me if something goes wrong. If that's the, the, that's, that's really the key. I think you're right. And with all the CFBB, you know, rulemaking around open finance and data sharing, the framework is being laid out to theoretically have it both ways there, there's still a lot of lack of protection when it comes yeah. to but anything that's not part of like the card networks yeah um is 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 not as well defined as far as like if something goes wrong who's on the hook like the card networks are we've talked a lot about this um yeah uh, and, and eric i don't know if you're familiar but we had very deep conversation <laughs> around the problems of the card model but one of the things that it, I think does well is it clarifies who's responsible when things go bump, right? And things like Zelle, um, even ACH to an extent, mm -hmm. RTP certainly is, 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 is a lot less well defined. If you do payments in a, in, a, in an environment without the network sort of sitting in the middle defining all the rules, it, it's just not as clear. Like if somebody does something wrong, like who's going to fix it, right? And, mm -hmm. and that fragmentation does lead to bad experiences for consumers. And so if somebody shows up and is like, we're going to, we're going to make this better. And I actually noticed this recently because I did a payment for just parking, a $3 payment for parking at BART, um, in, uh, in, in, uh, East Bay. And I used Venmo to pay. And, and there was an option there that said, you know, for there was, there was a message there that talked about like protection, like liability guarantee. And I was like, that's interesting. Like, um, yeah. it's very prominent. Venmo now Venmo now gives you the ability to flip a switch that says this is a purchase and to protect yourself, which I which, thought was really just Which, which, which also, you know, self-servingly nets them 1.9% plus 10 cents of fees that they collect from the person receiving that payment. So it's a, so, suddenly it treats it like a business transaction. So there's a self-interest motive there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then there's the protection. And I think that the, at least my kids, they can sniff out bullshit, right? <laughs> and they and they've got no tolerance for it. So if it's good for them and not hurting someone else, they're all they're all for it. Yeah, but I would I would like, agree that's that's the same place that my kids are at. But you know, looking looking out the three year mark with with money twenty twenty, you know, hearing hearing the the teams around 
their PR, around their products, around the other events and, um, you know, talking to them about participating in more events and trying to understand where they're going and, and what kind of struggles are coming up against. And attendance is one of them. All, all of the shows are struggling with attendance right now, which mm-hmm. is no surprise. Um, but I, I think having a $3,000 price tag to get somebody to be able to walk through the front door to have the privilege of being pitched to 24 <laughs> seven is a little, little crazy. And um, I forgot about the turkey sandwich, you know, the, the apple juice, the salad that you get. Of which I couldn't eat all, any of it except for the salad. And so, I mean, that's I mean, what I get I think, for having I a gluten now. Look, look, it doesn't matter what group you kind of even really talk to, even meetings that I had with people. It's definitely badge price was a topic. You know, if you're upward, where are they at? 35, 38, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, everybody had something to say about it. If you're bringing three, four or five people and, you know, I don't, I will mention this about money 2020 it happened to me, but, uh, it's not a good experience with the badge walking in, um, questioning my picture, making me pull my ID out, uh, having a security guard come over to look really? at, I swear, had a security guard yeah. come over. Rough. And then tried to explain to me why they're doing it, which I did not care. I was like, get out of my way. You know, you verified it's me. I don't want to hear it. But they put a line of Karens there to double check everything and literally had a security guard come over. And it was such kind of a bad experience for me personally, where I was like, you know, um, hey, I get it. But the way you're going about it is not making you very welcoming yeah. as coming back into the show, which I've been to many times. And I was definitely surprised by that. That's something I've not seen in the past. And I guess, you know, people are passing badges around. Um, I get it, but I don't know that that was the best way of going about that because I was, that was just something where I was kind of like, and it literally kind of happened two days in a row. Lady questioned my picture. And then the next time they literally you just had to use a better picture, over. Eric. I guess, I guess, you know what I mean. I mean, so <laughs> they didn't question you make me, you make me wonder now. Yeah, I, 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 like, look at I my... didn't get my haircut. Maybe it was the glasses. Who knows? I agree. Price on that, you know, people look for value. What are you getting in return for this badge? And you walk the floor, and you're like, would you pay three thousand dollars plus to walk this floor with this badge? I don't know. I guess it depends yeah. on where, where you're getting your value from. It, you know, if you're if you're in there listening to the presentations and so on and so forth, but you can understand why somebody wouldn't buy one and then just go there for the beats, which I think a lot of people do. So, um, again, maybe economy driven and all of that. Um, but you know, um, you definitely hear a lot of people talk about the price of it. Yeah. I, I, I will say that, um, the sessions I was able to attend were a lot more deep diving than they have been in the past years. They're starting to get down in the, to the practitioner level of, of communication, whereas before it was the strate- strategic mm-hmm. perspective. And now it's really gotten into how and why or why and how I should say before it was what. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think I've seen it go down into that, at least the sessions that, that I was able to attend that that's, that's the piece that I started to notice that, 
the people that were speaking just they were they were willing to go down into the weeds and then come back up out of it. And I think that's been that's the major change that I saw from content wise that 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 has gotten a lot better. Well, did people, I would have to assume, you know, if you're spending a lot of this money on the floor and all of that, you're looking for exposure in these panels and, and thought leadership and all that kind of stuff. So does that, you know, buying, paying that sponsorship, you know, get you in the front of the line to some of these panels, you know, and maybe this year was a little bit different where they had some more, you know, introspective, closer looks into subjects, you know? Um, you know, I definitely noticed that, you know, the names that were there were not as recognizable as some of the names of the past. Yeah, I, I, that's, and I think that comes from being at the practitioner level, coming down to that practitioner level. Right. You have people that have done it recently versus in the past, you had the, the head of this thing and the head of that and the, SVHMP, whatever they want to give themselves. They were definitely kind of wowing with the names the last couple of years, trying right. to get the, the bigger names for sure. You know, but I, um, I really feel yeah. like the, the, that if you're going there to, to, to find out what and how and in a session, then it, it probably makes sense to do that. But if you're just there to, to go and look and see what new cool stuff is out and figure out how to work it into your business. Or if you're just going to meet with clients or potential clients, I can see where that, that like the price point is really uncomfortable. And I, I really believe that if they could figure out a way to lower the barrier to zero for those companies who have revenues under X amount, they would see a lot more participation. I think they would get a lot more support over time from those groups because they feel like they were taken care of. They were like shepherded along. They were given access to things to help them grow so that when it came time that they had the revenue in place, that they wouldn't feel as bad about spending the money. That's my personal perspective though. Right, right. And I think I that's mean, an opportunity is important, but you know, I'm sure they're looking at it from a business revenue, you know, standpoint as well. And those are things that we don't particularly know, you know. That's so true. I think that that's where that's the unknown for us. So it's a little easier for us to sit here and you know, um, you know, say, hey, you can lower the prices or or whatever maybe, but maybe you find a way to add more value if you keep the prices where they're at. Um, but it is hard to know, like, we don't know what their model is and, and what the revenues look like and all that kind of good stuff. And I'm sure it's been challenging for them, like it's been do. for everybody. Right. <laughs> I would love for them to do that. Heck, I would love for it to be completely free for everybody, but we know that doesn't work. Uh, I mean, when so- do we get Jack Dorsey to pay for the cash app? He'd be like a Bitcoin 22 with this big mountain of cash app mountain that he had at Bitcoin. <laughs> Bitcoin. That thing was awesome. Well. So. Yeah, maybe you can get some people to throw in a little bit more at the top. Oh, well, guys, I appreciate the time today going through this. I think we had some very interesting conversations around a number of topics. Um, Matt, thank you what again. What was our for- favorite topic, though? I'm going to oh, go well. with teddy bear. Teddy bear. Yeah. Teddy yeah, bear, yeah. hands down. The teddy bear innovation. You got That's it. right. Which, by the way, was in 2016, just for the record. So that's... uh. Oh. Let's see. Let's see. I, I, now I want to go see if they, it was ever commercialized. I, I gotta, I gotta go 
do a little do a little digging. Matt's on to his next adventure. It's the new <laughs> AI teddy bear investing teddy bear. Uh, <laughs> oh awesome. well. So so I don't have a teddy bear here, but uh, I guess I will get, need to get one and put it up on the shelf over here. Maybe a Teddy Ruxpin of all things. I love that. Uh, yeah. But guys, again, thank you. I, I love the fact that we're we're not afraid to disagree, that we're able to have these conversations and, and be completely open about everything. So thank you so much, Matt, for joining again. Eric, for joining us this week. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate Thanks, it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Yep. Thanks, Matt. I had a lot of fun. Great time. Good chat. Support provided by Skyflow. What if you could build fast but not break privacy? What if you could ensure data privacy, governance, and compliance with just a few API calls? What if you could worry less about PCI requirements while actually improving privacy and security? How much more time would your team have to truly innovate? How much faster could you build and ship new features? How much more powerful could your app be? Skyflow is a zero-trust data privacy vault delivered as an API. Skyflow's radically simple design lets you collect, secure, and tokenize personal information, like card data and payment details. And with built-in features like encrypted data analysis and sharing, anonymization, and advanced governance, your days of choosing between data security and data usability are over. Whether you're just concerned with PCI compliance or need to go further to include CCPA, GDPR, SOC 2, and beyond, Skyflow has you covered. What if you could build fast but not break privacy? With Skyflow, you can. Visit skyflowsecure.com today to learn how. This has been a production of Diamond D3 Media, with all rights reserved. This is provided for informational purposes only. It is not offered or intended to be used as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. We strive to provide accurate and up-to-date information, but will not be responsible for any missing facts or inaccurate information. You comply and understand that you should use any of this information at your own risk. Cryptocurrencies are highly volatile financial assets, so research and make your own financial decisions.